Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the People Project Podcast. I am your host, Kelsey Alexander, and each week I will be bringing you episodes on different topics that affect us all in different ways, internally, externally, or sometimes both. I created this podcast to talk about people because I believe that everyone has a story worthy of being told. And I've been told that although I'm not remotely clinically trained, you can think of this podcast as therapy at a distance. Um, so last week I was joined by the wonderful Ray Emery McPhee and we talked about anger and identity and she shared her beautiful story with all of us. So thank you again, Ray. Um, and this week I will be joined by Braley Schmidt and she will be sharing her story. Um, so let's get started. Um, from the jump, I just want to make sure and very clearly state that um, this episode is in coordination with Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So consider this a content warning. Um, the topics of physical, sexual, and psychological abuse will be discussed. Obviously not in great detail, but they will be discussed. Um, so if that is something that is triggering for you, I completely understand. Just wanted to make it very clear that that's what this episode was going to be about, <clears throat> among other things as well. Um, but this is your sign to turn it off if that is triggering for you. If not, here we go. So, as many of you know, or may know, um, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, um, and it was first observed in October 1981 as a National Day of Unity, um, and it's held each October as a way to unite um, advocates and survivors across the U.S., um, in efforts to end domestic violence. So community advocacy organizations across the country connect with p the public and one another throughout the month to raise awareness about signs of abuse, ways to stop it, and to really uplift survivor stories and provide additional resources to leaders and policymakers in their communities. And so when you think domestic violence, chances are you typically think of physical abuse, right? Um, but that isn't always the case, although it often is. Um, domestic violence is defined as the willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, and or other abusive behavior as part of a systematic pattern of power and control perpetrated by one intimate partner against another. It includes physical violence, sexual violence, threats, economic and emotional physical abuse, um, and the frequency and severity of domestic violence varies dramatically. Um, so here are some statistics that I found for you. In the United States, more than 10 million adults experience domestic violence annually. In each of these adults, if each of these adults only once experienced an incidence of domestic violence, an adult in the U.S. would experience violence every three seconds. However, because domestic violence is a pattern, many experience repeated acts of abuse annually, so an incident of abuse happens far more frequently than every three seconds. Um, one in four women and one in ten men experience sexual violence, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner during their lifetime with IPV-related impact, such as being concerned for their safety, PTSD symptoms, injury, needing victim services, etc., so, I do think it's important to note that although statistically women experience domestic violence in some way, whether it be like physical, sexual, psychological, etc., um, more often than men, men are not immune to this abuse. Like domestic violence is prevalent in every community and affects all people regardless of age, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, gender, race, religion, nationality. It doesn't, it doesn't care. Um, physical violence is often accompanied by emotionally abusive and controlling behavior um, 
as well as like being part of like a larger systematic pattern of dominance and control. Um, and this can result in physical injury, psychological trauma. I mean, even death, you know, we've seen stuff all over the news. We may have seen stuff in our own lives, um, where unfortunately that ends up being the result. And, um, you know, this can cross generations and it can last a lifetime. So, um, a lot of what I'll be discussing with Braley here in a little bit is what would be considered psychological abuse. Um, so the background on that, you know, what is psychological abuse? Um, it involves trauma to the victim caused by verbal abuse, acts, threats of acts, or coercive tactics. Um, and perpetrators usually use psychological abuse to control, terrorize, and, um, just like totally embarrass their victims. And it frequently occurs prior to or concurrently with physical or sexual abuse, but that is not always the case. Um, so examples of psychological abuse could be um, humiliating the victim, controlling what the victim can or cannot do, withholding information, deliberately doing something to make them feel diminished or embarrassed, isolating them from friends and or family, denying them access to money or other basic resources, stalking, spiritual abuse or religious abuse, demeaning the victim in public or in private, undermining their confidence and or sense of self-worth and convincing them that he or she is crazy. So here's some did you know statistics. Um, 48.4% of women and 48.8% of men have experienced at least one psychologically aggressive behavior by an intimate partner. Four in 10 women and four in 10 men have experienced at least one form of coercive control by an intimate partner in their lifetime. 17.9% of women have experienced a situation where an intimate partner tried to keep them from seeing family and friends. 18.7% of women have experienced threats of physical harm by an intimate partner. And 95% of men who physically abuse their intimate partners also psychologically abuse them. And women who earn 65% or more of their household's income are more likely to be psychologically abused than women who earn less than 65% of their household's income. So, why does this matter? Psychological abuse increases the trauma of physical and sexual abuse. Um, and and there's been tons of studies done that have um, shown that psychological abuse independently causes long-term damage to a victim's mental health. Um, they often experience you know, depression, PTSD, suicidal ideation, low self-esteem, difficulty trusting others, among so many other things. Um, so subtle psychological abuse is more harmful than either overt physical phys- overt psychological abuse or direct aggression. So some of you may be wondering, okay, well if this is so bad, why do the victims stay? Well, <laughs> abusive relationships are really complex situations and it takes a lot of courage to leave and like the abuse is about the power and control. So when a, a victim or a survivor leaves their abusive relationship, they're they're threatening that power and control um, that you know their their partner has established over you know over all this time, and it can cause their. I mean, there's a chance the partner could retaliate in harmful ways, right? Um, so as a result, leaving is often the most dangerous time for you know for a victim. And, um, you know, beyond the physical risks, there's countless other reasons why, you know, people stay in these relationships, like, which include fear, you know, they're afraid of the consequences if they decide to leave their relationship, um, normalized abuse, you know, if, if this is 
all you know, um, you know, whether it's an environment that you grew up in um, or, you know, every relationship you had or have had, you know, is like this, you might not know what a healthy relationship looks like. So you might not recognize your partner's behavior as unhealthy or abusive until you're presented with, you know, an example of a relationship that's actually healthy. Um, you know, another, another reason is shame. You know, it can be difficult for someone to admit that they, that they have been or are being abused and they may not feel like they, they may feel like they've done something wrong, like that they deserve the abuse. Um, or that, you know, experiencing the abuse is a sign of weakness. And so, you know, like blame shift, blame shifting is a big tactic that, um, is used a lot of times by abusers and it can, you know, reinforce that like feeling of responsibility for, you know, a partner's abusive behaviors. Um, and another, um, reason is intimidation, um, you know, they may be intimidated into staying in the relationship by verbal threats, physical threats, threats to spread information, you know, blackmail, um, you know, like we've all heard about revenge porn and stuff like that. Um, and you know, you also have to take into consideration for people who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, if they haven't come out yet, you know, threats to out someone, um, you know, give an opportunity for an abusive partner to really have that control. Um, another reason is low self-esteem. You know, I mean, if you've been with this person and they've just beaten your self-esteem down to, you know, nothing, well, you know, they may both like survivors may believe that and may think, okay, well, you know, like I'm not worth anything. Um, there's also lack of resources, you know, they may be financially dependent on their partner, um, and, you know, may not have anywhere to go or stay or sleep or, um, you know, have any money or anything to, you know, survive outside of the relationship. Um, you know, then there's also disability, you know, if you're physically reliant, um, on another person, you know, you may feel like your well-being is tied to them. Um, and then, you know, of course there's things like immigration status as well. You know, if you're, if it's somebody who's undocumented, they may fear that reporting their abuse will affect their immigration status. Um, if there's limited English proficiency, these concerns can be amplified by confusing and convoluted legal system. Um, and, you know, an inability to express their concerns to others, um, and, you know, really tell anyone about their circumstance. Um, and then, you know, cultural context, a lot of traditional, um, cultures and beliefs, might influence someone's decision to stay in an abusive situation, um, you know, whether by um, the survivor or by their family and community. Um, because, I mean, I could sit here and go on all day about different cultural contexts in which, you know, like divorce is not okay, breakups are not okay, leaving your partner, you know, admitting to abuse, all this stuff, like admitting to that, that you have been abused, which it sounds, that sounds so awful. Like you, you aren't even admitting something, um, you know, it's just... I don't know. It's, it's a circumstance that's out of your control. Um, another, um, you know, another reason that people stay is children. You know, they may be, you know, feel guilty or responsible for disrupting their family unit and they, you know, want to keep the family together. Um, and so that's why they don't leave. Um, and you know, another big reason is love, you know, experiencing abuse and feeling genuine care for a partner who's causing harm aren't mutually exclusive. You know, survivors often still have strong, intimate feelings for their abusive partner, and they, they may have children together, they may want to maintain their family, or the person abusing them may just be charming um, and manipulative, especially at the beginning of a relationship, and the survivor may hope that their partner will, like, go back to being that person. Um, but no matter the reason, like, no matter the reason, whether it's one of these that I've listed or it's something else, 
Leaving any relationship can be difficult. So doing so in an abusive situation can feel impossible without the right access to support. So I'm saying this here. If that is you or someone that you know, um, you know, when you're experiencing or you think they may be experiencing any form of domestic violence, contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. So that's 1-800-799-7233 or visit domesticshelters.org to access professional help. Um, and if you would like to get involved as part of Domestic Violence Awareness Month um, or, I mean, anytime, not just in October, um, this is something that I pulled from the um, National Domestic Violence Hotline's website. Um, they recognize the power that each of us have in making a difference um, and will support anyone in becoming uh, the best possible advocate they can. So this year they're participating in the hashtag one thing campaign, which is aimed at meeting people where they're at. Um, They know that change can start with just one thing. So by doing hashtag one thing to raise awareness about domestic violence, we can all work together to create real social change. So use hashtag one thing on social media to show people what you're doing to end domestic violence. Um, And then, you know, you can tag and follow the hotline on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, so before I get into things with Braylee, I just want to give some good news. <laughs> Healing is possible. Um, you know, you'll hear me share a little bit while I'm talking to Braylee. Um, of course, you know, it's a place for her to share her story, but um, there are many things that we relate on. So, you know, I share some of mine as well. Um, and as a survivor of multiple abusive relationships in the past, um, you know, the fact that healing is possible was big for me, um, you know, realizing that. Um, so I found some, some resources online because again, I'm not a professional here. I'm just a podcaster with a microphone (laughs) trying to bring this information to you guys. So, um, so here's some stuff that I found. So maybe you've just re-downloaded Tinder or Bumble or Hinge or whatever um, out of curiosity or, you know, you're already, you've already matched with somebody, you know, who sparked your interest. Maybe you're not sure if you're ready to start dating yet. Whatever stage that you're at, dating again after an abusive relationship can be the scariest shit in the world and can make you feel really vulnerable and like just stressed out. But good news Experts say there are a number of steps that you can take to ensure you're emotionally ready to start another relationship, um, you know, rebuild your confidence and your sense of self and kind of help you distinguish what a healthy bond looks like versus an unhealthy one. Um, so dating after being in an abusive relationship can be nerve wracking and complicated. That's, this is according to Angela Lee, who is the director of Love is Respect, which is a project of the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And she says, it can be understandably harder to connect emotionally. You may have a harder time trusting people, and these are all very normal and valid feelings, and it's important to be gentle with yourself moving forward. So, experts agree, there's no, like, quote-unquote, right timeline on when to start dating again. Um, So, it's crucial to, like, really honor your gut instincts about what feels comfortable to you, because that's all that matters. Um, so here are some of their other recommendations um, as you maybe embark on a new chapter of your love life post-healing. So number one, focus on healing. Um, according to these experts, once again, um, it's 
super important to get some kind of support and coping with like the fallout from your painful experiences before you begin a new relationship. So, you know, going to therapy, um, you know, with someone who specializes in trauma, um, you know, it's important to be able to understand issues like how the abuser came into your life, why you stayed, what tactics they employed, because this will help you heal and minimize the chances of another abuser making his or her way into your life again. Like I said, I have a history of abusive relationships and I did not do this work in the past. So that's why that was able to happen because I didn't, I didn't know how to see the signs, you know, like I had not let myself heal. So I was in a cycle of, you know, it was just like a trauma cycle and that's all I knew. And, but you know, now I've done the work, I've done the steps, I'm still doing the work, I'm still doing the steps and it's made a world of difference. Um, so then the next thing is define what a healthy relationship means to you. Um, you know, if you start dating again, it's, it might be helpful to like write out a list of like what you think a healthy relationship looks like, what you want in, um, you know, a significant other, um, you know, examples of things you've witnessed, um, you know, what do you find admirable about those relationships? What makes you feel seen and heard and loved and respected and appreciated? Um, because, you know, on top of like identifying the red flags that you witnessed in your, you know, abusive relationship, it, you know, manipulation, gaslighting, verbal, emotional abuse, controlling behaviors, whatever, while you're like listing that out, figure out what, you know, your boundaries are and like list those things out as well, you know? So list out the things that you're looking for in a partner that, you know, you not idolize because I don't like that term, but like the things that, you know, you just want in somebody. Um, but then also list out, you know, like red flags and, you know, the, the, what your boundaries are as well, because those are all going to go hand in hand. Um, so three, trust your instincts. Um, you know, unfortunately abusive relationships can wreak havoc on like your psychological radar. Um, so, you know, your ability to trust your own instincts, um, either by causing you, you know, to doubt your thoughts or feelings or making you feel, you know, overly suspicious toward and like guarded around other people. But remember this, all caps, in bold, large font, this is not your fault. This is not your fault. I'm saying this to you, whoever's listening to this. I'm saying it to anybody who can hear it. I'm saying it to myself. It's not your fault. So, you know, an abusive relationship can be so damaging to someone's, like, instincts that it can be almost impossible to differentiate between, like, really good people or toxic people that are, like, masking themselves as good people. And, you know, it's it's super important to, you know, check in with yourself and, like, you know, know that you're on the right track. Um, it's helpful, you know, to have, like, friends, family members, you know, therapists who you can trust, you know, and you they can help you kind of unravel these thoughts, right, and feelings and reactions during, you know, when you first start dating. You know, have people that you can talk about um, all of this with and, um, also talk to your partner about it, you know, like if you're having like thoughts or feelings or, you know, whatever, um, you need to, you need to be able to talk to your partner about it because if they can't help you, you know, I mean, there's no timeline for, you know, healing from trauma. Um, you know, there could be something that three years later, like triggers you and like, it just is a whole thing. And if your partner doesn't know about it, then they aren't going to know how to help you through it. 
Um, and you know, instead you're just going to like react to them and like try to shut them out. Um, if you're me, um, and you know, so being open and vocal about, you know, the things that you've been through, it is incredibly difficult, um, but finding a partner that you can trust and that, you know, will, will listen and will help you through things is super invaluable. Um, so, you know, another thing is to, um, practice self-care. So self-care, super important for anybody, um, but especially for anyone who's starting to date again, um, and then especially, especially for people who have experienced abuse in the past. So, um, one of the top self-care things that, like, I do, I highly recommend is journaling. Um, you know, your journal can kind of be, like, a safe space, you know, for you to just non-judgmentally offload thoughts and feelings and, like, everything about the process and, um, you know, healing from, from abuse takes time and mindfulness, um, and, you know, like, meditation and yoga are also very, like, healing things that you can choose to take part in, um, and, you know, like, if you, if you're not a writer, if that's not your thing, there's lots of other things that you can do, you know, to take care of yourself, quality time with your family, you know, reading a good book, taking a bath, spending time in nature, like, just whatever, like, makes you feel good and, like, centered with yourself, do it, um, and then number five is know your support system, um, you know, Diving into dating again after leaving an abusive relationship can feel super overwhelming at times, Um, but no one is alone in dealing with all of this. You know, like make a list of, and I did this and it was so helpful, but like make a list of all the people that you can turn to for support. If it's 10 people, if it's 50 people, if it's five people, if it's one person, make a list, even if it's just like somebody that you can just vent to that's like not going to be judgmental, right? Um, because building a support system of like trusted people around you can help you get through like the most difficult times, you know, like having people that you can confide in and, you know, tell about how you're feeling like, you know, now and in the future that can make sure that like, you know, you have a safe space moving forward and, you know, like feeling safe is all we want. Right. Um, so above anything else though, you've got to be patient with yourself you know, dating again, um, it's a learning process and there, there may be times when you need to take a step back or reassess what you're ready for. Um, but the big key is remembering that you are so worthy of love. You are lovable. You're incredible. Um, and with time and healing and doing the work and doing the steps, you will, you'll move forward and you'll, You'll find love again, and, you know, you'll find what you deserve. Um, And without a doubt, like, the biggest thing about, like, the most profound, I guess, thing um, of dating after leaving an abusive relationship is, like, re-harnessing your power over your own life. Um, You know, figuring out what you want from a partner, what kind of, like, physical touch feels good to you, what makes you feel safe, what makes you happy, what you're willing to put up with. Like, you are in the driver's seat and you're in control of that journey and it's completely your own and it's beautiful and it's empowering and it's incredible. Um, so, and it's exciting, you know, it's, it's terrifying and exciting, like all at the same time. Um, but again, like I said before, if, uh, you or someone, you know, is experiencing domestic abuse, um, 
please call 911 or the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE, 1-800-799-7233, or visit thehotline.org. You can also text LOVEIS, it's all one word, L-O-V-I-S, L-O-V-E-I-S, to 866-311-9474, or call Love is Respect at 1-866-331-9474. So, now that we've talked it all out, you've got some good background information, some statistics, some empowering, maybe, hopefully, <laughs> words and encouragement, um, here is Braylee's story. All right, and now I am joined by Braylee Schmidt. Woohoo! Like my, <laughs> Hi. Like my Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to virtually sit down with me and talk about your story and your life and what makes you you. Of course. I'm so excited. I feel like we've been talking about this for a little bit. So yeah. How do we make um, it happen? Absolutely. So if you want to kind of start off by like telling people like a little bit about you, you know, like obviously now they know your name, um, but you know, where you live, what you do, like kind of what makes you tick before we get into the the nitty gritty. Yeah. Um, my name is Braley, like previously stated. Um, I currently live in Northern Virginia. Um, kind of grew up here, went to high school here moved around a little bit, bopped around, and somehow ended up back at home, which I never thought I would literally ever end up back here. But now I'm here, and it's the greatest thing ever, and I totally took it for granted, and that was stupid. (laughs) But now you know. Um, I'm currently kind of unemployed, actually. I moved home like four months ago, got a job bartending like two weeks into being home. My mom is just Mm -hmm. like, you need to get a job. I was like, I need therapy first. Listen, mom. Is what I need. Uh, but jumped into a job and I've learned that I've, I've gotten really good at leaving things that don't serve me. So I was at Okay, we job. love that. That's gross. I know, I know, huge. Like, I never thought <laughs> I would ever say that, literally ever. So I got this job and the owners of the place were just, you know, rude people who would literally talk uh about us behind our backs to other employees oh. yeah it was just not it was not a cute situation to be in so um the entire bar staff left altogether. we quit oh, wow. on the same day that is amazing okay <laughs> it, That's was, yeah, amazing. it was fun it was very dramatic um that was almost a month ago now so probably about three weeks ago so I'm mm-hmm. unemployed at the moment I do run my small business which is mm-hmm. another thing that's also on hold <laughs> kind of at the minute completely redoing everything with that but yeah so I'm just chilling I'm just hanging out this is the first time since I've started working at 17 and I haven't had a job let alone like three jobs at once I'm a workaholic dude so I've just been chilling I watch so much tv it's been so great and every time I talk to somebody about it I feel really guilty because even when I was working on my days off I would feel Mm -hmm. so guilty for not doing anything I'd be like yeah how lazy like I need to yeah. do something it's like no you yeah. need to take care of yourself and it's literally what everybody was telling me even my <laughs> therapist was telling me and I was like okay you know what fine but now I'm like itching to get back to work but yeah. it's been a good it's been a good three weeks moved in with my current boyfriend so that made the transition easier yeah there's been a lot I'm like the last four months of my life have been the wildest but listen I can relate 
yeah <laughs> i know right <laughs> i think that, well that's like that's kind of part of what like has connected us over the last few months is just like you know seeing posts on social media and being like yeah heard yeah exactly, you know? yep, yeah <laughs> relate yeah right yeah um well i guess if you we want to just dig right into it um so i before this uh, gave everyone kind of a, a background on what the episode is on, you know, thriving is greater than surviving. Um, and, but to survive, you know, we have to get into, you know, the not so fun stuff. Right. Yeah. But, um, at the end of the day, it, you know, it's what makes us who we are, you know, like, like the journey that we go on is what turns us into like the beautiful creatures that we are. Um, so if you kind of want to get into a little bit of your relationship history and kind of, you know, what brought you to here? And you can go back as far as you want or as recent as you want. It's your history to tell. I'm like, so. I only had, I've only had four boyfriends. I don't really count the first one, bless his soul, but it was like fresh out of high school. Oh, not even a year long. Yeah. yeah. He broke up with me in between semesters of college. Oh, and my, I was destroyed. I was sitting on his yeah. lap and he was like, I think we should go our separate ways. And I thought he was joking uh he was not joking oh no um, <laughs> yeah so then my next relationship I would say like my first serious relationship mm-hmm. which is when you and I met um with my ex and we were long distance I was in Virginia he was in Wisconsin mm-hmm. uh so we were long distance for probably about three and a half years before finally took the leap and moved to Milwaukee um super cool you know it was fun at the time but it was one of those relationships that we we started dating when I was 19 and we were together Mm -hmm. for five years total and we just completely grew in different directions and it got to the point where I felt like I was living with my friends like just romance died romance wasn't there yeah yeah and there were no there were no hard feelings I mean he did cheat on me multiple times and I did stay with him but it it wasn't, I don't know, he was not a bad person. He was not a malicious yeah. person. So I was like, you know, good people do bad things. Right, yeah. Stay with him. And then, yeah, I just kind of fizzled out. And I stayed in Milwaukee for probably another, maybe another year after we had broken up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just got too fucking cold. And I was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, I literally hate the cold so much. It pains. Like, it was so cold to go outside. It, it hurt. <laughs> Like any inch of skin that was exposed, yeah, just came over. And I was like, <laughs> Mom, Dad, I'm coming home. I can't do this. <laughs> so I moved back home to Virginia, uh, kind of retouched space. I can't even tell you what year it was. It's like two and a half years ago now, mm-hmm. maybe three. So I was only home for not even a year. I was home for like eight months. Uh, found myself. Um, in another long distance relationship, <laughs> coincidentally. Uh, How about to the, the music United- industry? <laughs> Dude, I can't. Uh, that's like the one thing. Like, my boyfriend now is in a band, and I've known oh, him. Oh, no. Braley. No, girl. Listen, <laughs> I've known him for like seven years, and he was never in a band ever. And now we're dating, and he's in a band. And I'm like, come on. I'm like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I can't escape it. But you know, like, once you're in it, like, my ex of five years within the music industry when you're mm-hmm. with someone that long like everyone you meet is in the industry right yeah and it's a so it's like world. it's really ingrained in your life at this point like it, so many it, of your like, friends oh I'm friends. sure and, yeah. yeah 
and then you know you become single and it's like i'm a fucking free agent and everyone's like right. oh, yeah. I'm like no uh, yeah not <laughs> no please but um, I guess it's so, different, yeah. like, and we'll get into, like, your current relationship in a little bit, but I'm sure it's different now, too, that, like, that's not how you met him. Like, y'all knew each other Oh, before. 100%. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Um, okay. How we met is actually hilarious, but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, moved back home, found myself in another long-distance relationship with a touring musician. Cool. <laughs> like the worst sentence ever um but that was in the opposite direction so he lived in florida and at least it's warm there that's what i was saying i was like oh my god i could live at the beach oh yeah let's do it perfect yeah let's go um very different right off the bat just Mm -hmm. so different from my first relationship um you know my first ex and i were long distance for three and a half years and we made it work and it was fine and we saw each other a lot uh, but my most recent ex, he, the red flag number one, he told me he wouldn't <laughs> date me unless I moved to Florida. And like, uh, wait, I know, pause. I know, girl, okay. so many, red flag number one, it, red flag number one, yeah. um, red flag number two, it was before I even moved there. I can't. I can't, I can't explain. You it. like look back on it now and you're like, Dude, how and so how slash why? <laughs> it's so bad. And this is why I, this is why I always say, like, the internet is so small and so powerful. Mm-hmm. I was just at work one day, and this girl messaged me, and she was like, hey, um, are you, I'm not going to say his name, but you're dating blank, right? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, I live in Florida. I'm out at this bar right now. So he's making out with this girl. <gasps> you're not, like, I knew, I knew you wouldn't believe just some random followers. So, like, here's photos and video. <gasps> so, yeah. So, I brought the proof to him, right? probably should have waited because in the videos he's like clearly just obliterated on something drunk Mm. for sure Mm -hmm. um so I sent him the videos I was at work and I sent him the videos and I was like yo what the fuck and he literally his response verbatim was lol what does this have to do with me and I'm like what what I'm like what do you mean that's you that's literally you you. my boyfriend that's (laughs) literally you kissing this girl like making out with her holding hands on the beach at sunset like that what do you mean and he's like casual and I'm like first of all you have tattoos right like this is you can't just pretend and he wasn't even he also wasn't like a very generic looking dude either like he it's not like he could pass for like a random guy on the street no he wasn't (laughs) like some chad from like a fraternity he had like tattoos everywhere he was like short as hell had huge plugs like right he's talking like, in the video oh my he's talking he's talking oh girl. my god like, full, and he's like what does this have to do with me oh no red flag number two I, I mean come on and I guess that's red flag number three let's back it up because he would always be like hey come out to my show even when I lived in Milwaukee he would hit me yeah. up and be like hey you should come to my shows hey you should come to my shows like mm. typical band dude shit and I'm like what mm. I'm not gonna do is that Right. Um, so I didn't for a really long time and then I moved home and he was playing in Baltimore and finally I was like you know what okay I'm just gonna go see this dude see what happens yeah. um, so I went and he had like posted a video of me on his story and his ex rolled into my DMs like minutes later and was like hey just you know like he and I are working on things but I guess not now 
and me he had like told me all these stories about how his like yeah. ex was crazy and of, of course, course i believed him yeah and now i'm like oh fuck i should have listened to her yeah right like <laughs> literally i should have like looking back everything is so mm-hmm. bad yeah. everything was so bad but well i mean but i mean totally 100 percent relate but <laughs> At the time, it was just like, but this person is giving me attention. Like, we weren't Um, healed from other trauma, right? You know, like, it was everything you needed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, that's, that's what makes an abuser, you know, like, that's why, like, that's why people like this are able to get away with it is because, like, I mean, he's a narcissistic sociopath, you know, like, he is, it is like, uh, just, it's like in his chemical makeup you know like it's, it's just terrifying yeah it really is because I thought that I could like I thought that I would easily be able to like pick out a fuck boy and be like okay right. what I'm not gonna do is that but I dove head in and I was yeah. like okay yeah two months in after he had already cheated on me I was like I'm gonna move to Florida Woo-hoo! yeah uh just awful like just so god it's so dumb <laughs> and it it sucks too because all of my friends and my family, like, mm-hmm. no one really liked him. Yeah. And I was always excusing him. Like, I would always mm-hmm. make excuses for him mm-hmm. every single time I talked about it. Yeah. And looking back now, I'm like, oh, damn, my friends probably hated <laughs> me. Like, I didn't listen to anybody. They I just like, saw that you were I'm going through some shit. Because you had yeah. to learn for yourself. Because if you hadn't, oh, yeah. you know, like, you would still be in the same cycle. Exactly. I would not. I for sure would not be here or home or anything. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that was, so then that was two years of absolute hell. He, like you said, narcissist, sociopath, like substance abuse issues, Mm -hmm. not only alcohol, but like drugs. And he would try to lie to me. And I, it got to the point where every day on the way to work, my morning routine became don't sleep at night because he's not coming home and he's not answering me. I don't know where he is. Mm-hmm. So at night I would go and drive around the bars mm-hmm. and see if I could find his car. And there were a couple times I found his car, found him inside. His pupils were like bigger than I even knew possible. Mm-hmm. And then he would be like with girls, I'm like what the hell? I've caught him at the casino so many times with multiple girls. Yeah. And for some reason I always excused it because he would come home sleep for like 24 hours wake up and cry to me that he has a problem and he needs help and so mm-hmm. me being the like and path to a fault I was like okay right. here's this human being that I love that mm-hmm. clearly needs help and everyone else I should have taken this as a sign I talked to my therapist about it so much she's like oh like what did other people say about him or how did he talk about other people mm-hmm. and it wasn't until she said that to me that I was like oh he always cuts down about other people and he Mm -hmm. doesn't really have, he has like two friends that he's had for years. And that's basically it. All his friends Mm -hmm. are very temporary, like just come and go. Mm -hmm. And I'm the type of person where I have friends all over the country that I've known for years and years and years. Like nothing Mm -hmm. will break that up. It doesn't matter distance. It doesn't matter like what it is. And I never looked at that before. And Mm -hmm. so even taking a step back and noticing that and being like, oh, like there's probably a reason he doesn't really have many people in his corner. Yeah. But I didn't think of it at the time. You were obviously. too close to it. I was way, yeah, I was way, I was balled deep in it. And I, <laughs> it was so bad. But 
So there were times where like I had to call the police on him and he ended up in a mental hospital and I was like, I can't leave him. I don't want to be that one person when he's like reaching out and saying he needs help. I don't want to be that person. You don't want to abandon him. Exactly. I didn't want to, and I'm just like an empath to a fault mm-hmm. because I couldn't see what it was doing to me. Yeah. Um, wasn't eating, wasn't sleeping, but yeah, my morning routine became not eat, not sleep, stay up all night, no text, no call, nothing. He says he'll be home in an hour, doesn't come home, thumbs up. I got to get ready for work. On the way to work, drive through both casino parking garages up and down to see if he's there. Yeah. And then head to work and then just yeah. hope that he's home when I get home. And that was, that became my life. And I didn't realize it, but he was really, really, really good at, uh, this sounds really stupid, but he was really good at like taking me out on dates. So we would do these like really fun things together yeah. or he would surprise me with really cool things. And I, in my brain, it got to the point where I had convinced myself that all the bad shit was that was happening was like the one-off situation like mm-hmm. oh it's just oh, yeah. a bad day oh it's just every every day. relationship has bad stuff so you all the good things were excusing well but he still does this but he still does that yeah. so all of the like the little highlights of good things were excusing the bad things even though they weren't yeah. like you look like you look back on it now and it's like no that's bullshit like that's yeah. not how that works <laughs> but yeah. that like like he was doing the bare minimum to meet your needs oh like way less than the bare minimum (laughs) and I was just somehow fine with it yeah um because your self-worth was not where it is now oh hell no (laughs) it was non-existent um but yeah I got to the point where I was like okay all these bad things are just one off like we have so much fun together and he does all these things for me and in reality like now that I'm out of it I'm like it is could not be more opposite yeah, I just like clung so tightly to mm-hmm. these good things that he would do. And girl, I was in and out of hotel rooms. I didn't have anywhere else to go. We were living together and he would yell at me and tell me to move home. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you want me to move to Virginia? So I would get a hotel room and then he would call me the next day and be like, I miss you come home. Mm-hmm. And so I would. And it was, so, I was, I so much money on hotel room right well and then the psychological toll that I'm sure that was taking on you yeah and he was the type of person who if he had an issue with something he wouldn't talk about it um he would leave the house and block me on everything so I couldn't contact him mm. he would literally say whatever he wanted to say to my face I couldn't say anything back he would leave text me tell me to move home or find somewhere else to stay and then block me on everything I'm like we're in a full-on like a full-on relationship yeah like y'all are living together literally this is not yeah what and so I, I dealt with that for two years and I somehow convinced myself that that was just what a relationship was mm-hmm. and I was like okay well I guess this is just my life now and mm-hmm that's fine, but we have fun together once a month, and that's yep. enough for me, I guess. God, because this like hurts like, me because, like, I feel this pain, you know. I'm yeah, just like, yeah, this is this is my life, and this is just what it's going to be. So I might as well just suck it up and try to make the best of it. Exactly, and and we yeah. like smush ourselves down 
mm-hmm. instead of being like, you know what? Fuck this. No, like this is not like I deserve better. Like we accept the love <laughs> to quote perks of being a wallflower. We accept <laughs> the love we think we deserve because yeah, like, you know, when your self-worth is like, yeah. right, when your self-worth is not where it needs to be, where it's supposed to be like, or anywhere near that. You know, and like you have this cycle of, you know, like relationships and, you know, infidelity and abuse and whatever, then it's like you get to this point where you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to leave this person because this is the best that I can do. So I just might as well just like suck it up and deal with it kind of thing. Yeah. And then they twist everything. Like I can't even, Mm -hmm. even saying the word gaslighting just makes me nauseous at this point. Yeah. Oh, same. That's all it that's all it was and there were incidents where we would be drinking or whatever and things would happen and I know what happened to me like I know what happened and I would Mm -hmm. go to my friends and tell them what happened and then it would become this big thing because a lot of my friends were connected to him like that's how Mm -hmm. I made friends down in Florida because I didn't know anybody but him when I moved there and it got to the point where these people my friends down there that I loved and I trusted and I ran to when I needed help they kind of just threw in the towel and were like you know what Mm -hmm. like we can only be here for you so many times and then it was almost like the boy who cried wolf because every time I would go to them he would whenever he and I would like reconnect Mm -hmm. what if it was two days three days later Um, he would tell me that I needed to tell them that none of it was true and that I was making it up. And so I did because he made it seem like I was ruining his life and ruining his friendships and his relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I lost a lot of people that meant a lot to me just Mm -hmm. due to him being like, "Uh, all this shit you just said about me, go tell them that that's not true and that you're making it up. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I I did it, which was was isolating you. Yeah, and I, oh, oh, like, that's all I talk about in therapy is isolation. <laughs> I'm like, I was so, yeah, I was so alone. And yeah. that's another thing. Like, anytime he would go out with his friends, he would never, ever, ever invite me. Like, yeah. I was so alone. I was so fucking alone. Yeah. And all I had was him. And so yeah. I think that's why, that's another reason I, like, clung to him. Because I was like, yeah, well, but, I mean, that's the only like- person I have. So often people ask like, well, why didn't you just leave? Why didn't you do that? Well, like you think that one, like I said a minute ago, like that that's the best that you can do, that this is your only option, like that this is either like, well, this is just how relationships are because it's all you've ever known or like you feel trapped because you've been isolated or you just feel like you can't do any better, you know? So like you, why, why would you leave? Because you know, and also I'm sure probably like a fear thing and you talking about being an empath and, you know, like, well, who's going to take care of him if you leave, you exactly. know, like, so. He, yeah, he was a master manipulator because it was every, it was the gaslighting. It was the crying to me mornings after he would go out and not come home. It was like, yeah. he knew exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's yeah. fucking terrifying because at least for me, when I would like post things on social media of him, I meant it. it I, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who I, I know this is so cliche, but it does happen where couples will just like post stuff about each other when they're like going through a hard time, to, like make it look like everything's okay. Yeah. But when I posted those things about him and I would say like, oh, I love him and all this shit, I meant it. Like I yeah. genuinely did. It was never mm-hmm. me trying to cover anything up. Right. It was always when things were good. 
but Mm -hmm. that was very few and far between right yeah yeah it's being out of it now it is so wild and so scary and I think that's why I try to be as open about it on the internet as I can Mm -hmm. be because I was there and I know that Mm -hmm. you don't see it and I wish I mean obviously my friends were like this dude's treating you like shit he cheats on you he has Mm -hmm. substance abuse issues like he's not good for you blah 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 Mm -hmm. but unless somebody is saying hey these are the exact things he's doing like when my Mm -hmm. therapist was like how does he speak about other people or Mm -hmm. how do people speak about him yeah until someone says that to you you're not like you don't think about it you're so in it Mm -hmm. so that's why I'm so close to to be yeah that's why I try to be as open about it as I can on the internet without going into any gruesome detail um Mm -hmm. I've never once talked about what made me leave Mm -hmm. um there was an incident um I packed everything I could fit in my Kia Soul, grabbed my dog, <laughs> and I drove home. And that was that. I lost so much stuff. Um, getting my stuff back from him was a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. My parents, bless their souls, they went down to get my stuff for me, to, like, meet up with him and get some of my stuff. He gave them, like, two boxes of things, and that's it. Um, all my pairs of shoes, he only gave back one of every pair. So, like, one of each shoe. Yeah, like the left so, shoe. Great. <laughs> like sick. Like, That's this is so the petty. I'm doing. So petty. The most petty. Uh, yeah. So then I had talked about it on the internet, and uh, someone very close in his life reached out to me and was like, "You need to stop lying." I ran into one of his friends at Walmart, and they were talking about how you were talking about him. Like, you need to stop making up these lies. Blah blah blah. And I was like, First of all, no, you didn't. I know you were stalking me." Right. Uh, at Walmart, like all, come up with a better story. I know. Second of all, um, I know this is my life. Like I know this is what happened to me. Yeah. Uh, but basically, um, she was very threatening. So I Well, and that's why people don't speak out about their abuse and about the things that they go through. Because yeah. it's either the abuser saying things or it's their friends, it's their family that are like gaslighting you and making you feel so stupid. Like everything that you've gone through is like made up in your Never head happened. yeah yeah so you then you start thinking like okay did I deserve this did I do something wrong did I cause all these issues like wh- did I make it up am I crazy you know exactly like, yeah you're first up to therapy to like, <laughs> yeah seriously um your yeah your first instinct is like okay fuck, well, like maybe they're right like mm-hmm. and then it's like what do you mean no fuck no like I know what I went through yeah. I have all the photos. I have mm-hmm. all the videos. I have pictures of my bruises from like when I left and I posted mm-hmm. one of the photos on a story. And I just, that's the one bad thing about the internet is people will send shit to people that you don't want to see it. Like yep. he's blocked mm-hmm. from everything. Um, yeah. But people have oh, I have gone him. through, I've gone through and like so carefully curated my like Instagram and my Facebook, like Twitter. That's just, it's, yeah, that's just Twitter chaos, right? Twitter's chaos. These are th- these people are not the type of people who are on Twitter anyway, so I don't have to worry about yeah. that. But yeah, like exactly. Instagram, like that's how I made my Instagram private because there were so many different instances of people being like, you know, oh, here's this, here's that, whatever. And I know with yeah. you, like, you know, you have a small business, you can't just put your Instagram on private. And like that was one exactly. thing for me with having the podcast is I was like, okay, you know, like this sucks but you know like there's twitter and whatever and um 
you know, there's Facebook and stuff like that, but I think I'm almost at the point where I can take my Instagram off private now. Um, cause I've like gone through and like removed followers and hidden my story yeah. from certain people and stuff like that. That's um, another thing. That's what I hate. Like we have to go through so much effort. I know. Just to be comfortable. Yeah. Just to feel safe. Like, right. So stupid. It is so stupid because like, here's the thing is regardless of if you think it's true or not, if this is somebody's story, it's their story. You haven't lived their life. exactly. So who are you to say like, oh, you know, you're the problem. You don't know unless you were that one of the two people in the relationship, you have no room to speak on any of it. It's exactly. all just like based on someone else's version of the truth. And that's another thing that's a bummer is that I was like very open about it at first. Um, and I just posted my experience. I never, ever said any of the girl's names. I never even said his name. I mean, obviously, if you follow me, you would know who I'm talking about. But it sucked that people, when I was, like, speaking out about it, it sucked mm-hmm. that people were sharing my stories with him. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, you straight up, you, that's literally you admitting that you don't believe me. Right. Like, why would you show this to this person who single-handedly ruined my fucking life? Like, yeah. I'm sitting here being so vulnerable, talking about this, like, terrifyingly mm-hmm. abusive, like, mental relationship I just got out of, mm-hmm. and you're sitting here sending it to him, being like, oh, look what she's saying about you. Right. I'm sorry. What? Who? What? <laughs> like, who does that? I'm, like, I was, like, scared for my well-being that I mm-hmm. literally packed up my car and drove 14 hours. And you're sitting here sending it to him like it's just some, like, petty Like bullshit. it's a meme on somebody's, like... I know! You know? It's ridiculous. I'm like, cool, okay, if you want to share this with, like, a friend who's going through something similar, amazing. Right. That's the point. Yeah, that's like, that's why you share it, right. But to send it to him, and then, exactly. yeah, and then he reached out to me and was like, oh, blah, 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 like, you're making up all these lies about mm-hmm. me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I'm not letting you do this to me again. Right. Like, you did this for two years, I'm not... So yeah. he's like you yeah, got out blocked on yeah he's blocked on everything mm-hmm. um obviously there are like fake accounts and I can't keep up with all of that but yeah oh yeah it was bad it was really bad and then stupid me when I had moved home I was like okay we just need some time apart and then we'll like work on each other at, or work on ourselves and then come back together mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't I don't know why I said that I don't it was still very fresh for me Right. Then one of my then one of my followers hooked up with him and mm-hmm. love that. These, these, it was it was like a week after I'd been home. I get another Instagram message, and it's like, "Hey, my my boy's girl of six years is straddling your boyfriend in a bar right now." Of course, they're sending me photos and videos. It's a group of like five or six dudes. And they're like, "That's our like that's our boy's girl. Like, come get your man." And I was like, "Uh, we broke up." I live in Virginia now. I don't give a fuck. But also that's funny because she's followed me on the internet for right. so long and would always message me and be God. like, hey, where do you get your clothes? Hey, where do you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And I thought we were cool. I'd never met her. Right. Yeah. Life, but... Right. Yeah. And then <laughs> that was a whole nother thing. And that's, oh my that's Lord. literally, that's when I called it because I had been home for like a week and it was the first day that I woke up and I hadn't cried and I was like this is amazing I'm yeah. that was my progress at the time mm-hmm. and he had like tiny I, victories. Tried to call him like, I know I tried to call him the night before and he didn't answer 
And so he called me in the morning and was like, hey, sorry, I just like passed out after work last night. Um, and was he was being so sweet to me. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yay, we made progress. I was having a great morning. I was like, he's being so nice to me. I haven't cried today. And it was literally that day. And it was the night before. Mm-hmm. So he still When he lying. went home from work and passed out. Correct. Yeah, no, he went to uh, a bar. Um, <laughs> go figure. Uh, right. But yeah, so it, even when I moved home, I was still mentally in it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when my mom was like, you need to go to therapy ASAP. And my first two terrifying. sessions, I know. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I, God, I feel so bad for Tina, my therapist. <laughs> I was just crying all the time. <laughs> like the whole hour, I just sat down and would cry for like the whole time. And I'm like, okay, I'll see you again next week. <laughs> enjoy my money <laughs> yeah literally I can't pay her enough and yeah he, I love it I was always against therapy for the longest time same mm-hmm. and I tried it in high school and I was like this is dumb my parents yep. are taking out my therapist there were people yep. who were like 80 years old didn't know what a mm-hmm. powerpoint was oh, no. and then finally I was like I'm gonna pick out my own I need something and she single-handedly like opened my eyes I love that because she asked all the questions that you never think yeah. to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the simple, it's just simplest stuff too. Yeah. It's just something <laughs> so simple. And then you're like, oh, God, why did I not think of that? Right. Like, I sound so dumb. Like, when I first started um, seeing Dylan, my current boyfriend, mm-hmm. I, I told her, I was like, I don't know. I just got out of this, like, terrible relationship. Obviously, you know that, Tina. Um, but <laughs> I just want to be single for a while. I don't know what to do. And she literally was like, okay, Bailey, what do you want to do? Like be single for a while and go on a bunch of pointless dates with people you'll never see again. And I was just like, okay. Rude of you, but okay. And she's like, would you rather like ride this wave with this person that you met and is like so amazing to you? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I started going to, like, I was, I've had the same type of relationship with therapy of just like, whatever, it doesn't work, which is so dumb. But like, I wasn't in a place where I was ready for it, you know? And so then, yeah. um, when everything was happening with my ex, I was like, okay, I need to talk to someone that is a completely unbiased third party because this yep. is a big life decision I'm making yeah. <laughs> here. And I need to make sure before I go through all this paperwork that like, yeah. I'm not, you know, just being really dramatic because that's kind yeah. of what I was being told a little bit. Um, and so my sweet therapist decided to stop doing um, teletherapy and uh, she's three hours away. So that doesn't work oh, for me. No. I know I'm so sad. Um, so I am having to find someone else. So I'm currently on the, on the hunt right now. I'm working on with my insurance hunt. company. Um, because it's you know, literally it, like it really be expensive. Um, and so, yeah, I'm trying to, it really is like dating. It's kind of worse than <laughs> dating because like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know it's just it's a therapist you know like this is a lot yeah and yeah um and so so yeah like I'm working with my insurance right now trying to find somebody that's like not going to cost like $300 a session um and because you know therapy is important and you know it costs money and which I think is absolutely ridiculous um because therapy should be accessible to anyone whether they have health insurance or not or a job or not or whatever like anyone that wants to go to therapy should be able to go to therapy yeah I agree Um, yeah and so currently on the hunt for a therapist 
Um, if you were local to me and you were hearing this and you either like have a therapist <laughs> you love or know someone, slot into your girl's DM. <laughs> because I'm like, girl, I really I would love that. Or somebody. That, <laughs> well, and or, you know, if like, you know, I'm, I, I'm, have friends like all over the country. So like if y'all are listening to this and your person does like video teletherapy, I'm down for it. Obviously I was doing that before. Yep. So, <laughs> so there's, there's my little request for the, for the week. Um, but so, so you're talking, you were talking about um, the, your current boyfriend. So, um, you know, how did you kind of get from that, that day where, you know, you decided, okay, this was it. Like you're done. You're, you know, you've been home for a week to, you know, where you are now. Yeah. Everything progressed wildly fast. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it literally, I was in emotional whiplash because all that stuff with my ex had just happened. I had just moved home. I'd only been home for like a week. Mm -hmm. And my current boyfriend, I had like posted that I was at a coffee shop. Um, just like in the area and he slid in my dms and was like oh how is it because it's new or it was yeah. new at the time and i was like oh it's really cool we just like talk about the furniture because it was really nice furniture yeah. <laughs> um, I love that. And, yeah and he was just like oh my friends um work at a bar like right down the street you should check it out and me i was like i'm just gonna shoot my shot and i was like oh, okay mm -hmm. yeah like next time you're there i'm just gonna crash and uh, Hey. He was just like, yeah. He was just like, okay. And I was like, oh, fuck. Not You're like, is that like, I was like, like oh, is that, no. What does that mean? Oh, no. That's the worst <laughs> response to something. Okay. Like, is I that know, a good yeah. okay? I'm like, like, okay, oh, that's great. No. You know? <laughs> I was like, I totally read this so wrong. Oh, oh God, no. So <laughs> <laughs> um, but I actually ended up working at said coffee shop. And he hit me up one day and was like, hey, are you working? I'm going to come visit you. And I was like, oh. I was like, yeah. Uh -oh. my entire work schedule. Um, <laughs> and I'm, dude, I was so excited because the day he hit me up and he was like, hey, I think I'm actually going to come today. I looked so good that day. Oh, I, I don't love know that. what was in the air. I looked so good. I was having like the best hair day, the best makeup The universe day. said, here you go, Bradley. <laughs> Yeah, and so he came in with one of his girlfriends because I guess he was just like super nervous to see me again. Like after all female friends, correct? Not like a serial dater. Yeah, female oh my God. friend. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, female friend. <laughs> well, hey, um, based on the past history, I did want to clarify. Dude, I wouldn't pass it. Wouldn't put it past me. Um, but, but yeah, so he came in with um one of his friends of the female, and uh. I don't know what it was. I I don't know if it was because I was feeling myself that day, which was also very rare at the time. Like I just felt <laughs> like shit about myself at all times. But he was like sitting on one of the we had like bar stools at tables, mm -hmm. and he was sitting at one of them. And I don't know, girl, I don't know what came over me. <laughs> like I've known this dude for like six years, six or seven, but I hadn't seen him in maybe five. Yeah, maybe four or five years. Uh, no, I guess it would have been four because I went on double dates with him and my ex. Anyways, um, so I just walked up to him and I like, he didn't see me coming because I walked up from behind him and I just like put my head on his shoulder and I just like rested on him. What and he was like, oh, you? hey, <laughs> I know I was so aggressive for me. I was like, oh, I, that is not me at all. But he stayed the whole night and it was just like me 
and the other bartender um, who's now one of my best friends and then him and his girlfriend but we were all just talking and he left and I was like god the other bartender I was like oh my god I have the biggest crush on this dude like I can't I was like, <laughs> like I don't know what it is from smiling yeah, like, I, yeah. Like, I can't like this is like, this is bad I'm like this is because you had decided like I'm gonna be single I'm gonna do oh, my thing yeah. Yeah. I was like, How dare he slide into your DMs? How dare he re-exist in your life? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so dumb. So then he um he laughed and I was like, John, like this boy is gonna ruin my life. I just know it. And he <laughs> he texted me and he was like, Hey, like sorry, my friend and I were so awkward. Ha ha. And I was like, John, what do I say? Like, what do I say back? Like, <laughs> You're like, how like, do I talk to, to a person? <laughs> what do I, I know. I'm like, I don't know. He's like, just play it cool. Like, just be fine. And I, I think cool. I, how do you do that? <laughs> I know. I was like, I don't know. But he was like, yeah, sorry, we were awkward. And I was like, ha, sorry, we were equally as awkward. Like, I don't know. I was just like, forgot, yeah. forgot how to talk to the male species. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. And then that was on like a Sunday, maybe. And he came in. Tuesday night again with like three of his guy friends and I was like oh fuck like I'm meeting his friends right now right and I felt <laughs> so bad because I guess he had prefaced it with like he had like told all his friends like hey I'm like really into this girl like I think she likes me back let's go uh-huh. see her at her work yeah. so they roll up and I don't know <laughs> I literally <laughs> forgot how to speak again so I pretty much just ignored him the entire time. Really? I know. It was so bad. <laughs> oh, no. I wouldn't even look in his direction. Like three days ago, I was resting my head on his shoulder. And then I was like, I don't know how to talk to him. And all his friends were like, dude, I don't think she's into you. Like, I think it was like a oh, fluke. Like, bless I his little heart. <laughs> oh, no. I know. But I like, I like redeemed it because I got off early that night. So I went in my like sat and I hung out with them for like hours. And so yeah. I think I redeemed myself. I like yeah. remembered how to talk. Yeah. It was fine. <laughs> we like closed up my bar and we were only open until 10. So we like closed up and we went to a bar down the street and we just like hung out for hours with him and his friends. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is bad. Like, this is, oh, no. Oh, Cause no. you're sitting here like, where are the flags? None of them are red. I like, know. <laughs> I'm like, okay. This is so easy him. and fun. It should be difficult. He's so nice. Yeah. Uh, he's so nice and, um, and he's so cute dude he's so cute it's stupid <laughs> and then he just he just bleached his hair and I'm like you're not allowed to be this cute right when you're about to leave for tour like it's not even it's not fair right like I you should have dyed your hair like should have shaved it. your head or something I know like do some dress <laughs> or something but um so that night we his friends left and he and I like stayed and then we literally went for a drive for like hours I don't even think we realized how long it was but we were like blasting Shania Twain just like that. screaming at the top of our lungs which this album was, like, the second time and just oh a mix oh okay that baby okay okay I um, love that and I don't I like this is the second time I've seen him after years so then I like went back to his house stayed till 6 a.m <laughs> Didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I was very good. Um, we just like literally laid in bed and talked and listened to music. And I was like, Oh, I love that. I know. He didn't even try anything. And I was like, I love that. A respectable man. Um, okay. 
so yeah, then that happened. And then we were just hanging out. Pretty, I've seen him every day since. Um, and then it was like maybe two weeks later, we were out and he like asked me to be his girlfriend. And it like shook my world because I was like, no, I don't want a boyfriend. And then I was like, what am I doing? And I was like, yeah, I'll be your girlfriend. And then literally that night, we were laying in bed and he was like, I more than like you. And I was like, oh, oh my goodness. And I was like, hey. I was like, what do you mean? Oh, like, of course you, you did. Because you're like, I want you to spell oh, it out right, for me yes. in full detail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know and that move. Is, I do that move. Like two weeks in, which is wild because there's been times where we'd be like hanging out and it took everything in me to not say it. Yeah. I'd be like, Bailey, Bailey, that's fucking wild. Like, don't say it. That's yeah. great. You're going to scare him away. Yeah. And but so it was just natural. Night, it was so easy. And he was like, yeah, like, I think I'm more than like you. And it took me like 20 minutes of crying. But he finally said it. So literally the day he asked me to be his girlfriend was the day we like said, I love you to each other. <laughs> and then, um, I know we've only been together for like four months. We already lived together. Uh, yeah, everything just happens so fast. It's the yeah. easiest thing in the entire world. Mm. Um, the first few weeks were very rough coming from like the worst relationship ever. Yeah. I obviously have like trust issues and stuff, but like you had if, trauma. If one little thing bothered me, he would literally sit me down and be like, okay, mm. let's talk about it. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You want to talk about feelings? And I don't do that. Stop. <laughs> I'm like, um, you're not going to run away. And like, I remember. Like, listen, I'm, was- I usually deal with this on my own. <laughs> yeah. Literally. I was like, oh, yeah, we can, we can talk. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but I was so bad at it. But I, I feel that one time we've only gotten in like one real argument, which was totally my fault because I just assumed the worst in everybody now, which I'm, I'm trying to grow out of. Hey, um, progress. but I literally, we like got in a, it, and looking back on it, it's like something really dumb. Like it mm-hmm. was, didn't matter at all. But my initial reaction, I was like, oh, okay, are you going to like break up with me now? Because that's what my ex did. Mm-hmm. Every time we'd get in an argument, he'd want to break up with me, block me on everything, wanted me to move home, get a hotel, whatever mm-hmm. it was. And Dylan, my boyfriend was literally, he, it like shook him to his core that I even said that. And he was like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, where did this come from? And he was yeah. like, we just need to talk about it. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I don't know what it's like <laughs> to be in a healthy relationship. Like, I literally had no idea. Oh, yeah. And well, now I'm I like, mean, getting better. <laughs> well, it's funny. This is actually, I think this is the first time I've mentioned this on the podcast. So you've brought it out in me, Braylon. Exclusive. Uh, exclusive. You heard it here. For, maybe yeah. you heard it here for, first, folks. I don't know. But I happen to be dating someone. Oh, and... oh my God. <laughs> tell me everything. Um, <laughs> um, I'll tell you off the air. Um, <laughs> um, but... Uh, you know, I'm like, I deal with a lot of the same stuff, you know, it's like, I have all this like relationship trauma, like not just from my most recent relationship, but like things that I've, you know, like after going to therapy, realized that I'd like really had just like buried down and they got dredged up. And then like, you know, poor Austin has just <laughs> to deal with all of this trauma. But just like you said, Dylan does like, he's like, okay, so we're going to talk about it. And I'm like, no. You're like, uh, absolutely not. And like, and I try to not talk about it, and he's like, Mm-mm, 
that's not how this works. Like we are going to talk yeah. about it. Like, and I'm like, no, I'm just overthinking. I, and I don't care. We're going to freaking talk about it. Stop saying yep. we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. And because that's like so baffling to me because I'm just like, oh no. And I even do this with my friends and I'm so thankful to have such an incredible group of friends around me that also do the same thing and like pull shit out of me because I'll just like, I'll pull it in because I'm an Enneagram type two. So I'm a helper and I'm going to focus on everybody else and like, yeah. I'll figure it out. <laughs> and they're all like, no, that's stupid. Don't do that. Like, let us help you. And I've gotten a lot yeah. better at it. Um, but you know, we're all a work in progress. Um, but yeah, like what you said about, you know, like being in a healthy relationship. Um, and I was the same way. I was like, you know, not looking for somebody. And so I was just like, what is (laughs) happening here? And, you know, but it's great. It's all like the timing is in anything, not just relationships, but, you know, in your career, in your personal life, like whatever it may be, the timing is always exactly what it's supposed to be. Unless it's something that like, you've just kind of contrived out of thin air that like, you were forcing into the right spot, you know, like something that's easy, something that just happens. Like, don't overthink it. (laughs) I'm preaching to the (laughs) choir here because that's all I ever do. Um, But like, just let things be what they are and like, they'll develop, you know, into, into what they're supposed to be. And, um, you know, number one is, you know, like if you put yourself first, everything else will fall into place. Like even getting into a relationship still like not losing yourself in another person. Like that's a big, big yeah. thing. That was always that's, a big yeah. thing for me is I would just like completely lose myself into this, in this other person. And like now, like that's like the opposite of what he wants. He's like, I want you to do your own thing. Like, you know, but like we still have each other, you know, like it's like exactly. you know, just a healthy yeah. relationship. What does that mean? <laughs> um, and you know, like still do things with my friends and like do whatever I want you know, but we still have each other. So, um, shout out to healthy relationships. Shout out to Dylan and Austin. (laughs) I can't wait for Monday morning for people to listen to this. And I get all these messages like, "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, what, what advice do you have for, for people, you know, that have been in abusive relationships, you know, um, or that, you know, maybe, maybe they're in one now and they're, you know, seeing the signs, you know, like that's, that's one thing about this podcast is I want it to be, I remember how lonely I felt and how like just completely isolated and alone. And like, I was the only person that had ever experienced what I was experiencing. Um, and if I had heard someone's story, like what you shared with us, like that might've shown me the red flags that like, you know, I was just trying to be like, oh, everything's fine, you know? Um, so what advice do you have for somebody that either, you know, is healing from an abusive relationship? Maybe they're in one now and trying to get out of it, whatever. Um, I'm trying to think I have so much. I'm like, how do I <laughs> condense this? Um, I, this is kind of contradictory because when you're in it and you're so deep in it, hard to see all the red flags Mm -hmm. um but at the same time when you know something's not right you know it's not right yeah and I think a lot of times we like feel it in our gut but we don't want that to be the reality so we tell Mm -hmm. ourselves that oh okay like this doesn't feel right I know this is not what it's supposed to be like but it is what it is and like yeah so I think just listen to your gut which sounds so annoying um Sadly, 
my gut instinct has never been wrong, uh, which is unfortunate, but it's so true. Um, Another thing, I know I've mentioned this a couple times, but this was a huge eye-opener for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Look at how they not only interact with other people, but speak about other people Mm -hmm. um, and kind of the people in their lives, because I feel like you definitely attract people that are similar to you yeah um and you know like for me he would even talk bad about his best friend and Mm. I'm like that that, it never felt right um because if they're doing that about people they've had in their life forever like yeah what is he saying about about you you? exactly um yeah I think the I think the main thing is when you know something's not right or something feels off you need to save yourself before it's too late Mm -hmm. because I was getting to the point where I was genuinely like not this sounds very dramatic but I was 100% like malnourished like I Mm -hmm. was less than 80 pounds um which is wild that's terrifying uh very scary um but it's just like the little things that add up that it's just like when you know it's wrong or when something Mm -hmm. feels off it's off and I promise you I fucking promise you (laughs) that it does get better yep um relationships are not supposed to be like that it's like Mm -hmm. now that I'm in this healthy relationship all the stupid cliche shit that you hear about Mm -hmm. relationships like oh when you know you know (laughs) or like it's supposed to be easy yeah none of that stuff I always thought it was so dumb yeah it's like okay that's for like like, books and movies whatever yeah I'm like no relationships are are hard work and blah blah blah. and my therapist was like no work is work relationships are 100% voluntary you don't need to be Mm. in a relationship Mm. um so it's like why are you going to put yourself through something that not only is like emotionally draining physically draining when it's you don't need to be in a relationship at all Yeah. I mean, as that's humans, a tr- obviously, we, like, want the connection. Yeah. Right. Um, but it is, I, I can, I am here to tell you today that <laughs> everything that you hear that is cliche about relationships is so true. And yeah. in the like best said, way. In the best way. Yeah. And like you said, timing is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, all the dumb things like, oh, when you're least expecting it, it'll happen. True. Right. Can confirm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, when it's, when it's right it's so easy yeah like this mm-hmm. is the easiest thing I've ever done ever yep um but I yeah I think just you gotta look out for yourself and especially mm-hmm. listen to the people who you love um yeah I, I wish I would have listened to all my friends and I know that my friends are dying to say told you so to me <laughs> Uh, I know they won't, but I know that's what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the people that are in your life that know you and love you and have your back, they're going to tell you all the right things. Yeah. Um, and you just need to, you know, freaking listen before, <laughs> before you're driving 14 hours and leaving. Yeah. All your cute decor behind. <laughs> oh, sad. So sad. Um, rip. <laughs> well thank you is does not seem 
like enough, but for lack of a better word, <laughs> for lack of a bigger <laughs> word than thank you, thank you for, for being vulnerable, for telling your story, um, for taking time out of your night to talk to me. Of course. I'm so excited. I thought, I, I feel know. like we talked so much. Oh no, it was perfect. Oh, it was perfect. It was perfect. I'm sure everyone's like, it's, like a lot. it's heavy. It is, it is. But that's why I wanted to make sure, you know, like we ended with like the healing and with the, where you are now, because even if you weren't in a relationship now, you were you like, you were in the healing process out, out of that relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, cause I don't want anybody to hear this and think that like, you know, we're saying like, well, the way to get over a bad relationship is to get into a good one. No. Like, no. The way to get no. over, like to the way to, and I don't like the term like get over because I feel like something like this, you never get over it because these are things that just stick with you. But the way you heal from, you know, abusive relationships, from, you know, any sort of negativity you go through in your life is like within yourself. And mm-hmm. that's how you were able to attract Dylan is like, you know, you were at a place with yourself where you, I'm sure you were just like reflecting that energy, you know? So. Yeah. yeah. And that's another thing. Um, It, it sounds really scary to leave what you're comfortable in. uh, Because I think that's another reason why I didn't leave any sooner is because I was comfortable in it. Yeah. Um, And it's scary to get out of it. Not nearly as scary to stay in it. Um, But it's, at least for me, when I made that decision and I left, immediately a weight was lifted off of me and I knew Mm -hmm. I had a long journey ahead I still do um but the pain of like learning and evolving and Mm -hmm. growing is way more beneficial than the pain of you know oh yeah being in it Mm -hmm. and it's it's scary because you're like okay now I have all this healing to do or you're jumping into the unknown but Mm -hmm. you will never you will always feel better than you did in that situation yep absolutely love that